G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Ready to get into a conversation which I think will be a very important one, especially in these times. We're going to turn our attention to the mental health of Australians today with a snapshot of where things are at and what it means that you hold Christian faith. The most prevalent mental illnesses in Australia are depression, anxiety and substance use disorders. Now, you might be surprised just how widespread mental health issues are here in Australia. 4.3 million people received mental health-related prescriptions. Now, that was in the year 2018-19. $10.6 billion was spent on mental health-related expenditure, and there are almost 1,700 specialised mental health facilities providing care in Australia. And some of that detail, I might say, is pre-COVID, and things have been exacerbated post-COVID. So what benefit is there in being a Christian? As we all experienced the widespread restrictions, the isolation, the lockdowns from COVID-19, how does it affect the Christian when there's an overnight loss of employment or loss of social interaction? What about the added stresses of moving to remote work or schooling? What about the stress, the confusion, the anger suffered by so many who experienced depression and substance misuse? And what can we glean from biblical accounts about mental health? Well, we're turning our attention to talk about Christians and mental health through this coming hour. I do want to invite you to join into our conversation very shortly. We'll open our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316. And uh, you can join in our conversation too with a Facebook question on facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest through this coming hour, Dr. Kuravilla George, a former Deputy Chief Psychiatrist for the State of Victoria. These days, of course, part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Uh, Kuravilla George, a special welcome along to 2020. Uh, thank you, Neil. Uh, Kuravilla, I think uh, you're known as KG to your friends. Uh, you're fine with me calling you that through the hour? Absolutely. Everyone okay. knows me as KG. Okay, KG, let's start with something that I think is going to be a, a very powerful thought. And this is the idea that uh, mental illness holds uh, some level of stigma and uh, not only for uh, non-Christians, but no doubt for Christians as well. And, and no doubt as a mental health professional, uh, this idea of stigma is always something that's a part of the way that you respond to people who talk about mental health. Give us your impressions here about this stigma as we go forward. Sure, uh, Neil. Yes, uh, stigma has been there, as you said, not only in the general population, but among Christians. Uh, for example, when I first started uh, doing psychiatry, and I did my uh, psychiatry training in UK, 
So even in a country like UK in the 1970s, the first question that used to be asked was, how can you as a Christian be involved in such a non-Christian field of medicine? And I had to explain and say, look, you know, uh, psychiatry is no less or more Christian than any other field of psychiatry. Unfortunately, mental illness and psychiatry has been tarnished by figures like Freud. Uh, and, and people, you know, sort of uh, equate that. Uh, but Freud is now even hardly spoken about. Uh, and uh, uh, the problem was, I think, and, and I mean, personally, my initial uh, first love in medicine was uh, obstetrics and gynecology. But because of various things that happened in my internship days, God led me specifically to do psychiatry. And I w would turn around and say, look, you know, I find less conflict these days working as a Christian psychiatrist than I would find myself having if I was a Christian obstetrician with all kinds of ethical issues that challenges every day and in every practice. So, yes, there's so much of stigma. And from that time, it has been a passion of mine to try and see how I could try to uh, help reduce the stigma, especially among Christians and among uh, uh, the churches when it comes to uh, mental illness. Uh, no doubt we'll get into uh, some deeper areas around the Christian spirituality that so many of our listeners hold. But just your thoughts here for a moment, because obviously psychiatry can be practiced on a level which is quite secularized and God is nowhere in the picture. Uh, but this other dimension, that as a Christian you're practicing psychiatry and dealing with issues of mental health, uh, there's a big dimension that some people are ignoring but we have the wonderful benefit of. Uh, give us your impressions here as we continue and just uh, we're going to dig deeper into this conversation, but the idea of applying your Christian spirituality to the idea that there are mental health issues. Yes, I mean, look, when we talk about mental health, there is more to good uh, health than just a physically healthy body, as we all know. A healthy person should also have a healthy mind and spirit. And a person with a healthy mind should also be able to think clearly, should be able to solve the various problems faced in life, should enjoy good relations with family, friends and colleagues at work, and should feel spiritually at peace and bring happiness to others in the community. This is all part of being uh, having good mental health. Now, unfortunately, I agree with you, and it's not only in psychiatry. Faith has been excluded, uh, especially in our secular medical training, from the time, unfortunately, of what we call enlightenment, which happened in the 19, you know, 1600s. Before that, faith and medicine, and when we talk about health, was often talked about together but in the from the day of enlightenment from the time of enlightenment it was you know separated and faith is not taught as part of medical education but the good thing is that over the past 20 years there has been a great um, number of publications it, it is flourishing the, the publications research that is being done as regards the importance of faith when it comes to health, not only mental health, but health as a whole. And now 
many colleges, for example, the Royal College of Psychiatrists in uh, Australia and UK, have uh, have brought in uh, position statements on spirituality and health. So people are beginning to now again recognize that, all right, maybe the psychiatrists or the doctors might not consider faith very important in their life, but many of the patients that we uh, treat and manage and look after still have faith as an important component of their life. KG... Yeah. yeah, I was going to say in my introduction, uh, I endeavoured to paint a bit of a picture of just the extent of mental health services in Australia and uh, came from a mental uh, services uh, report, uh, mental health services in Australia from the government website. So those sorts of details I was talking about, uh, 4.3 million people receiving mental health related prescriptions uh, in that year, uh, 2018-2019, that's still the latest figures, Uh, $10.6 billion on mental health related expenditure, uh, 1,700 specialised mental health facilities providing care in Australia, the snapshot we might have of mental health in Australia today, uh, how did those sorts of figures affect the way we think about these things, uh, you know, from your position, uh, talking through issues around the medical side and and through these issues that we might be aware of as Christians? Yeah, so it is a major public health burden, not only in Australia, all over the world, you know, and... and, uh, for example, you, the, some of the figures that you have quoted, there are 300 million persons affected by depression in the world, 60 million with bipolar affective dep- uh, depression, and 50 million from dementia. So it is a huge burden. And uh, unfortunately, mental health has been, uh, at the, when we talk about the medical pecking order, has always been right at the bottom. Uh, and governments have over the years uh, not put in as much money or priority when it comes to mental health. People are now, as you can see in Australia, there's a lot more talk about mental health. And this past year, with the pandemic, has again brought to the fore uh, the importance of mental health. In Victoria, there was a Royal Commission on Mental Health. They were supposed to have given the findings uh, last week, but because of this current a uh, cluster that has come, it has been pushed aside until this is over to, uh, so that it can uh, take the importance that it should have in people's minds. So if people are recognizing now that it has been inadequately dealt with, um, it's, as we know, mental illness is very disabling uh, and uh, illness services are, are, are very poor. So it is a problem. And we there's much that we can do as a church, as a Christian community in this area. And that's, as I said, my passion. But first of all, we need to break down the stigma and the feeling that Christians are less vulnerable to mental illness. There is this feeling. You know, I talk about these two ends of uh, the Christian spectrum. Uh, There is what I call the right wing, the extreme evangelicals who will say, you know, there's no such thing as mental illness because it's all to do with your poor faith or lack of faith. If you have more faith, read your Bible more, uh, spend more time in prayer, you should not suffer from mental illness. And then I talk about the ultra left-wing Christians, you know, the ultra uh, Pentecostals, who will say those, there's no such thing as mental illness. It's all due to evil spirits or demon possession. And we all, you know, f- fall somewhere in between 
uh, this spectrum, and some will say it is all due to your sin. Yes, uh, all illness is, when we look back, due to, to sin in some way, the original sin. But that doesn't mean someone who has suffering from mental illness is more sinful than anybody else. So there's a lot of areas that we need to uh, teach and educate and talk about uh, when it comes to Christians and mental illness. And if we can get these things changed, we can be a great force in trying to help people with mental illness. There's some logical connection, isn't there? Because we've got a 2,000-year history of the Christian church, uh, the idea that when there were mental illnesses that were showing themselves over that 2,000 years, uh, Christians are going to be saying those sorts of connections, as you're saying, you know, or it could be connected to your faith or a sinfulness or it could be a demonic uh, possession or oppression. And so you might see that there is a logical way that people might have looked at that through those earlier centuries. And now with the development of uh, this medical science and an understanding that we can be uh, broken in body, so there's a physical uh, attention to uh, to how, how we can be in need of levels of treatment, and there's also this idea of a, a brokenness in our minds. Uh, this also now presents on the same sort of health level, uh, the idea that uh, both mind and body need this special uh, area of treatment. How do you describe those things as they've developed and how that might have changed the way Christians will be thinking about how we care for one another when we're having a mental health issue? Yes, sure. I mean, just as we, once I become a Christian, as you have rightly said, we are, not, we are still vulnerable to physical illnesses. It doesn't make us in some way protected from suffering from a physical illness just because we are a Christian. And similarly, when it comes to emotional and mental health problems, we are emotional beings. We are, uh, uh, we are prone. We have got vulnerability to, to suffering from mental illness. It doesn't make us, you know, we are not specially protected just because we are Christians. You know, and, and I think uh, one of the uh, things that have, uh, resulted in this happening is what's called the Dusetic view that Christians have held. You know, the Dusetism is a heresy that was there in the first century church. We said that Christ only uh, appeared to be human, but he really was not human. And so because of that, he really did not suffer pain. But the first century church chucked that her as a being heresy. But unfortunately, the effects of that have continued in Christendom, and feelings, you know, that uh, the, we're trying to forget about uh, painful uh, effects that have happened in our life over the years, not having an influence on us now. All of us have some degree of trauma that has happened to us, and it's all going to have an impact on us. We can't forget it. We can't suppress it. And I've heard people who, who talk about you know, I've lost somebody uh, like a father or mother or, a, you know, husband or wife and say, and saying, I rejoice the fact that they are now in heaven. Do you really? You know, somebody who has been, in, you, you have had a deep relationship for 50 years. Do you rejoice that they have gone? You know, it's just like cutting off your arm and saying, I rejoice because I, I have no pain. There will be emotional pain because of grief. Paul never said, 
do not grieve. He said, grieve, but not as the heathens do. We have hope, but we still have to go through the emotional pain and suffering. And we can't suppress that. We are, we are human beings made with emotions. And we have to recognize that. Now, so I think the recognition of this, as, as you said, medical science has developed and people have begun to see that the brain, uh, you know, many of the illnesses that we talk about uh, in psychiatry, we talk about the biopsychosocial, and recently we've included another factor called lifestyle, BPSL. So when we talk about the etiology or the cause of mental illness, we talk about biological factors, psychological factors, social factors, and lifestyle factors. And when we come to treatment, we talk in the same way. Biological treatments, psychological, social, and lifestyle factors in the treatment of mental illness. So we have all got vulnerabilities. We are all have got genes, just like we have got a gene for uh, diabetes. It might not me- mean that we end up with suffering from diabetes. Uh, if we have got a hereditary, you know, a genetic vulnerability to diabetes doesn't mean that we will suffer from it. If we take care of our health and our diet, we might not suffer. Similarly, we have got genes for some of the serious mental illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar affective disorder or uh, anything else, you know, uh, that we, serious mental illnesses we have. But doesn't mean that we need to break down and suffer from that illness, but there are also these environmental factors, social factors, lifestyle factors, which all contribute towards suffering from an illness. Well, so, it's, yeah. it's just not as simple as some might like to categorise uh, the idea of mental illness. We're going to continue our conversation in just a few moments. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Good to have you along with us. Talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Kuravilla George, KG to his friends, and you'll be able to call him KG when you call through. We're talking about Christians and mental illness today. Uh, KG, let's take a call before we move on, because I want to get onto some uh, biblical foundations for how we might understand uh, issues around mental illness. But let's hear from Luciana in Melbourne. In uh, Welcome along, Luciana. Diana, welcome. Good morning. Thank you so very much for bringing out to the public about this important subject. And uh, and it is true there is a lot of stigma and a lot of ignorance. And unfortunately, um, many years ago, I knew a lady that she was told to stop her medication. Anyway, cut long story short. Uh, I couldn't let her go because she looked different and I called her up and uh, she was about to jump off uh, the bridge. And I said to her, look, there is no shame in taking your meds because uh, in the Bible does say that God created the plants that heal. So I believe that if you were prescribed um, this medication, you need to take them for your own Health and uh, I was just wondering uh, if there is um, um, a place where Christian people could actually tap in, get the information, and also assure the other people that there is no shame about suffering 
a mental illness. Luciana, you've raised uh, such an important issue here, and I'll get KG's response. KG, your thoughts for Luciana? Yes, look, thank you very much, Luciana, and uh, it's great to hear from you. Look, you talked about suicide. I don't know how many people know that there are 800,000 people who die by suicide every year in the world. And we talk about pandemic deaths, you know, that's happened now. But this is every year, nearly a million people, 800,000 people die of suicide. Every 40 seconds, someone somewhere in the world takes his or her life. And, And another thing, for each of these suicides, completed suicides, there are more than 20 suicide attempts. So it is a huge problem, you know, and uh, uh, yes, we, we can direct people. I mean, there are obviously, you know, in Australia, fortunately, we have increasingly good uh, places that we can go to. There's Lifeline, there is, uh, you know, uh, Beyond Blue. And yesterday I was having a meeting. I will talk to you about that. There's some new initiatives that are happening uh, here in Victoria, and uh, we were talking about probably a Christian lifeline that we can, you know, we can have that we can refer people to. Um, and uh, KG, if I can just uh, jump in here, one of the things that Luciano was making a reference to, which I thought was a very strong point, the idea of well-meaning Christians who might say to someone who has uh, a mental illness and is taking a medication, ah, just stop taking your medication, just trust God, you'll be fine. I wonder if you've got a thought for Luciana along those lines. Uh, Absolutely uh, wrong thing to say to somebody who is feeling suicidal or is depressed. They obviously been uh, seeing their GP or the psychiatrist who has recommended medication, along with the medication certainly uh, as I said, the biopsychosocial lifestyle treatments, there will be psychological treatments like psychotherapy, different kinds that they can be involved with, along with the medication, the lifestyle factors, and certainly faith will play an important part in that recovery. You know, one of the, uh, uh, as I said, there's much more research in this area about faith. What has been found is Faith doesn't prevent people from suffering from illness, whether it be mental illness or other illness. It helps in the recovery. Somebody who has faith, a Christian faith, it helps in their recovery. It is not that it will stop them, but it helps in their recovery. And so certainly that is a wrong thing, and that's what I was saying, that there's much we need to teach our Christian uh, brethren and sisters and uh, you know, even pastors and church leaders in this whole area of mental illness because of the lack of ignorance that has been there. And the harm that we have done as a result of that to many people who have suffered from mental illness in the past in our churches. Luciana, does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, fully. I mean, as I said, I usually sat and I watch the Bible says, And my friend, she said to me, Luciana, you saved my life because... I was showing to her what the Bible says. Even the Apostle Paul, where he pleaded to take away the thorn, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. But that's, the thing is, some people, they take it to the extreme of, you know, don't do this and don't do that, but they fail 
to really look into the Bible or what the Bible says. Luciana, special honour to you because you are looking to those biblical accounts to say, where can I get wisdom and strength from God in this area of mental illness? So, Luciana, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're just a minute and a half out from news, so not a lot of time to develop this now, KG, but the idea that there is biblical wisdom around how we might approach the way that someone might be either uh, going through a physical or a mental disorder or a challenge or sometimes you'll say broken in the body, broken in the mind. Uh, Just a a quick thought on the fact that there is foundations in the Bible that might address these things. Sure, yeah, I mean, we can look at it from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even modern examples of well-known Christians who have suffered from mental illness. Uh, Just very quickly, if you look at Prophet Elijah's mental meltdown or breakdown in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, with suic- and he became suicidal to the point of saying, I would rather die. And the way that God dealt with him is an ex- excellent example of a perfect psychologist. Did not go hard on him and say, your faith is poor. He let him sleep. He fed him, let him sleep again and fed him. And then very softly began to ask questions. King David's emotional suffering is well described if you read Psalm 38, the pain that he went through emotionally. And very often when we go through depression, severe depression, it affects our physical symptoms. And if you read Psalm 38... KG, I'm needing to cut in here because we're going to news. Uh, KG, just before the news, uh, we got cut off because the news doesn't wait for us. But we started to get into some of those biblical examples where... Uh, these are obvious connections to mental health issues, the way we talk about them in the 21st century. You mentioned the likes of Elijah, and you started to get into David. There are lots of examples of the sort of stresses that affect mental health throughout the Bible. Yes, um, there are. And uh, can I just re- uh, uh, restate those uh, Bible references for anyone who wants to read uh, more in detail? 1 Kings chapter 19 or First Kings chapter 19 about Elijah, Psalm 38, King David's emotional suffering, and and we all know there are lots of uh, uh, psalms, you know, the uh, the uh, that King David talks about his emotional issues and problems. Uh, what about the example of Job? You know how what he went through, deep uh, uh, suffering and pain. Um, so lots of examples in the Old Testament. And when we come to the New Testament, uh, we, uh, the, the lady who called talked about Paul and the thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, whether it was physical, mental, emotional. We still do not know what it was. Uh, but the best example is our own Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the suffering he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, the emotional pain. Uh, where he where you said he sweat blood, uh, that's how deeply emotionally he was going through the pain. So we are not immune, uh, and we, we uh, uh, there are, as I said, you know, there, there, there are there, in the Bible it very clearly makes a distinction between uh, um, a physical illness, mental illness. There are several. Uh, places where it mentions insanity. Uh, in the New Testament, Paul was called insane uh, very often by, uh, 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 by many people because of his passion 
and he behaved as though he was insane. Um, you know, Jesus was called that his his mind his off his mind by his own family uh, when they came to take him away when he was talking to people, you know, saying that he was the way he was talking is out of the, his mind. So the and also a clear distinction between that and also demon possession. Wow, KG. Let me just take you back to something you said just before the news, which I think is worthy of picking up on here for listeners who are thinking about our Christianity and thinking about mental illness issues. Uh, You were talking about the example of Elijah, and you said that the way that God treated Elijah, and of course this is after defeating the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and then going off into the wilderness, and we know that Elijah went into this very deep depression, But you said the way that God handled that. You said God is the perfect psychologist. I wonder if we might just talk about that for a moment because this idea of trusting God when you have a mental health issue, for some people they're saying, well, you know, I've got medical people giving me all sorts of prescriptions, but where's God in all of this? How is God the perfect psychologist? Well, if you look at the example of uh, Elijah, uh, as I said, he knew that when a person is going through emotional pain and suffering, you don't bash them over their head about their faith and saying how it's all due to your poor faith. Uh, God realized that he, he sort of ran away after this uh, 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 Mount Carmel experience. He became frightened suddenly. This was like, a, you know, it, it happens to many of us after a huge up. It can come crashing down. And he then uh, ran for 30 days without food and without sustenance. And he, God knew that what he needed at that time was physical sustenance. So he fed him uh, supernaturally, and he then let him sleep, and then he did that twice. And then when, uh, when God began to speak to him, it was in a still, small voice. We can read that in 1 Kings. First Kings chapter 19, in a still small voice, he began to ask Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And then trying to change his way of thinking, saying, look, you're not alone here. There are others that are, that, that are there who are still following me. And he didn't then say, look, I'm getting rid of you because of what you have done. He Asked, he commissioned him again, sort of, he commissioned him to uh, anoint his follower, Elisha, and also another king. So he dealt with him very patiently and uh, he, uh, did not abandon him because he went through a crisis in his faith and his, uh, through his depression. That is what I'm saying about a perfect psychologist. If you look at the way he dealt with, with, uh, uh, with Elijah. Unfortunately, many of us Christians, we come down so heavily on Christians who are suffering from mental illness and saying that, uh, you know, due to weak faith. Okay. Uh, so, that's what I was meaning. Yeah, KG, let me just reflect. There's been uh, some callers calling through in our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Uh, Coral called through just to say specifically thank you for having this conversation. Uh, Coral, uh, our pleasure to be able to have uh, specially qualified guests to talk about these things. Abe called through. He said that he suffered from anxiety. 
His doctor gave him meds that made things worse. He began hearing voices and singing. So he stopped taking the meds and it all went away. He's turned to prayer and he no longer has anxiety. I wonder if you've got a thought here for Abe in that circumstance, uh, KG. Uh, you know, this idea of uh, uh, you know hearing voices, uh, singing, and uh, then they went away when he stopped taking the meds. Yeah, I do not... I won't be able to speak uh, definitely about it because I do not know what medication was prescribed. Now, let me uh, just make this distinction. We call, uh, in, in mental illness, we call what's called the high impact or the severe mental illness and the low impact or the you know, milder mental illnesses, but more prevalent. For example, anxiety is... Uh, Low, pre- low impact, but high prevalence, as we all know, anxiety uh, is there in society. You know, every other person suffers from anxiety. But the high impact disorders would be the more severe mental illness like schizophrenia or bipolar affective disorders, uh, delusional disorders, uh, delirium, dementia, the, the, the more severe mental illnesses. There is no doubt for those severe mental illnesses, we need medication. Without that, we are not going to recover. And along with that, there might be obviously supportive uh, help from family, friends, church, psychotherapy. But when it comes to the, the, the problem is when it comes to the low impact or the more prevalent mental illness like anxiety, depression. Again, depression, that are the severe depression where you need medication. But things like anxiety, the the lower end of the spectrum of depression, you could do probably without medication. You know, uh, without knowing the individual patient, it's very difficult to uh, to get advice. But with psychological help, with uh, support, we might be able to get away without medication. So okay. uh, so it's difficult to say about this individual person who has called, what was the disorder, why he had hallucinations, what was the medication prescribed. So uh, There are always complexities in these things. I agree that probably in, in the current medical climate, there is over-prescribing uh, when it comes to the low prevalence uh, uh, mental disorders. We are prescribing too much of antidepressants. Do Antidepressants are currently the second most widely prescribed medication in the world. And people say that by 2030, it's going to be the most widely prescribed medication in the world. Do all, everyone who's prescribed antidepressants need it? Probably not. And I often, you know, I've, I've just retired and I tell my colleagues and my medical students and trainees, as I've grown older, as I've gone gray in my hair, I have become much more aware and careful that we are probably prescribing too much medication. There are other ways of dealing, especially with the low impact or uh, things like anxiety and lower ends of depression, rather than just immediately going and prescribing medication. Okay. Now, lots of callers getting coming through now. Let's let's see if we can uh, talk to our listeners uh, and and, uh, respond quickly so we can get as many calls through as possible. Jonathan is on the line. Uh, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Yes. Thank you, Neil. What are your thoughts, you know, Jonathan? I agree there's a mental problem. Biologically, there are mental problems. 
Listen, shall be said by medical means. But they are, the Bible speaks about fear. It says, don't fear anything except fear itself. Because uh, I have many people and friends, the major thing in my home is fear. When you fear, you can run without nobody behind you, and you think that you are, you are somebody chasing you. Fear is dangerous. So Bible spoke, talk about it. If you see people say, I hear voices, this is fear. They don't mind not hear clear verses, but because of something happened to them, so they automatically conclude that somebody is speaking to them. They can, those are some of the people that take suicide. Because you hear the voice speaking to you, and your life now, there's no more for you. Jonathan, good thoughts in that. Let's let's get KG to respond to this idea. And I guess when we align anxiety with fear, uh, we start to get a really close biblical connection here into what God uh, would say, say about those things. What are your thoughts for Jonathan, KG? Yes, um, uh, very good uh, question, Jonathan. And uh, uh, someone has said one of them. You know, we talk about the biblical commandments, and we major on. Commandments like do not kill, do not commit adultery. But if you read the Bible, the most often quoted commandment is do not fear. Do not be anxious. And someone has said, I don't know whether it's true, I'm not a biblical scholar, that the word do not fear, the commandment do not fear, has been stated 360 times in the Bible. One for every day of the of the year. Now, True. Uh, this is again a big issue in the modern day that we have. And let, let me uh, bring a term here. It's what's called anticipatory stress. Anticipatory stress. Now, what is anticipatory stress? You know, all of us, human beings and animals, have been created to have what we call the uh, uh, fight or flight response. So when we come to a, a stressful situation, either we fight it or we flee. This is, God has given us that. Uh, and what happens is, uh, when we face a situation like this, our body begins to secrete what's called adrenaline and corticosteroids. Blood, blood is pumped into the muscles so that we can either fight or flee. The brain gets more energy. Uh, you know, blood goes less to the gastrointestinal system at that time because we don't need it at that point in time and there is a big threat to us and the best example is if you look at a cat and a dog when a cat faces the dog what happens the cat's back is arched the hair stand on end the pupils dilate the the paws come out all because the cat is either going to fight or run away from the dog but this is the interesting thing when the cat is not facing the dog it's not lying on your couch all the time thinking what am i going to do when the dog comes, what am I going to do? And throwing corticosteroids and adrenaline into the cat system. Human beings, unfortunately, are the only beings that constantly throwing adrenaline and corticosteroids in the system to the into their system, worrying about what am I going to do with this climate change? What am I going to do with this pandemic? What am I going to do with the financial disaster? What am I going to do with my children's education? What am I going to do, you know, all the time worrying and throwing corticosteroids and adrenaline into our system, causing what? The blood vessels to constrict, more blood pressure problems, more strokes, more heart attacks. 
the uh, pancreas is secreting more sugar to give us more energy to fight, causing diabetes. From head to toe, our body is being diseased because of this anticipatory stress, which we were not meant to have. You know, uh, God is created with a flight and fight response, but not with this. Human beings have created that. And that causes, these days people are saying, even dementia could be due to uh, probably one of the reasons, we still don't know the exact cause, could be due to this uh, throwing into our system a lot more corticosteroids than what we need. So you're right. God has said, do not fear. So he certainly, when it comes again to anxiety and uh, you know, the low prevalence disorder, there is a point where our faith, reading the Bible, uh, and taking on board what the, the Bible says will help us. Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. Great contribution and this connection to fear and anxiety. And if we're understanding a Christian response in all of that, KG, the idea that faith is seen to be some level of remedy for uh, overcoming fear and uh, this idea of, you know, that the pre-anxiety, the anticipatory fears that can come upon us. And, of course, uh, what's been happening with COVID-19 and uh, and the idea that JobKeeper is going to end sometime soon and uh, and is uh, is uh, job seeker payment going to actually rise or if I've got no job, am I going to have enough money to survive? All of these sorts of things, these are like anticipatory fears how do, you, how do you think, though, that we might address some of those anticipatory fears that people have today by applying a Christian uh, understanding of faith in God and the hope that can come as we put our faith in Him? Yes, so this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? I mean, we can talk about our faith, uh, but when everything is going well, we can all say, you know, I'm a Christian, if, uh, I, it, it helps my faith helps me, but it's when these difficulties arise, when the challenges come, when pain happens, we, we can't say we're not feeling painful, we're not feeling hurt. Uh, when somebody uh, uh, hurts us uh, in our relationship, we will feel hurt. We can't say I'm not feeling hurt uh, because we are, we are human beings, emotional beings. But it's when these things happen, how do we rise above it? And that's where our faith comes to play. That's where the rubber hits the road. And how has faith impacted my daily life? You know, with the challenges. Challenges are going to be there with us, every one of us, in every situation of our life. Whether it be our marriages, whether it be our relationships, whether it be work, whether it be the pandemic, it's going to happen. And that's where we then, uh, uh, like you know, Paul said, yep, he, uh, the response to Paul's pain was, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's when we begin to realize, yep, there's a limit to what we can do. We then have to depend and trust God. And God says, fear not. The peace that passes understanding. Become a reality. We're running out of time. The time's flying by so quickly. I do want to just touch on something important here. And, uh, you know, we talked about Jesus, uh, the best example of uh, that 
uh, emotional and uh, psychological strength uh, when we looked at him in Gethsemane. And I'm just mindful that he said to the disciples, you know, couldn't you pray for one hour? And the disciples were off asleep. Let's just talk here for a moment because Jesus, uh, you know, the second person of the Trinity in this perfect relationship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a certain sense in which he had even in those deepest, darkest hours uh, of his emotional pain, he had this strength that came from the support. I wonder whether we can bring that into a setting as we've been talking about destigmatizing mental health issues in our local churches, that having support from friends one to another and mindful of Jesus and his example of the Good Samaritan as to how we might care for one another in our distress, that these things are a tremendous support for us when we're going through the deepest, darkest hours of our lives. What are your thoughts for how, how valuable it is to have someone to call on in your local church? Absolutely. I mean, this is where one of the positives we have in Christianity, because we have a supportive community. And here can I just mention a couple of things, as I said, about new developments before time runs out. So in uh, Victoria, we have just started uh, what's called the Center for Theology and Psychology. If, you, if anybody wants, is interested, if you go up on the website, www.ctp.mst, it's part of the Melbourne School of Theology. So www.ctp.mst. And we have already begun uh, webinars, workshops in many of these areas. And uh, one uh, workshop that's going to start in two weeks' time, which will be a series of five people that can still join it, and this year it will be by Zoom, is called the Thriving Christian Leader Program, where many of these issues are going to be discussed further. There's also a diploma course, if anybody wants more. Uh, and we are now in the process of looking at what we are just saying there, Neil, developing a course to help churches. We are thinking further in collaboration uh, you know, uh, with the Morling College in Sydney to see whether we can work collaborate to, to help develop such a thing, which will help churches. Wonderful developments. That might be of help. Uh, we, we look at, again, website called Transform 4, the letter 4, and then Life. Transform, letter 4, for Life. There, there's a course called Being an Agent of Healing in a Time of Crisis. Being an Agent of Healing in a Time of Crisis. And again, they have got various other training programs. If you look into that, that's also uh, uh, you know, uh, developed from Melbourne. So I just wanted to put these out before the time goes out so that people who are interested and want to know more in this area and how as Christians we can help other Christians and develop ourselves. These are good uh, resources to look into. KG, great insights today. I know so many listeners uh, will be thinking this has been a great conversation around an important issue that doesn't often get the airtime that it needs. Let me point people to how they can be in connection with you, KG. And uh, I'll give the website first for the 
Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. And uh, hopefully there is a connecting point there where people will be able to get you a message and connect to you. The cmdfa.org.au website. And uh, just to mention that's open to doctors and nurses and all allied health professionals as well as students who are aspiring to careers in health. So cmdfa.org.au. And I know that there's always an extra place there for a new member of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. There's also Luke's Journal, which is available for listeners to be able to check on. And uh, you'll find articles there from KG, who's written uh, into a number of articles on Luke's Journal. And uh, you did mention those other, uh, you know, the, the courses, the Centre uh, the, for Theology and Psychology. Yeah, Centre yeah. for Theology and Psychology. It's all new. Just uh, Google that and see if you can find some detail. But just great getting your insights today. And I really appreciate you taking taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners here today on 2020. Dr. Kuravilla George, uh, who's part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.